0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Finnish Bros Football Podcast. I'm Bobby Sylvester, joined as always by Mike Tagliere.
1: We've got a starter sit show for you today, and we've got a great guest. Tags, how's it going, buddy? It's going well. I uh, Right before we got into the recording room today, I was listening to Spotify, and a song came up, and it was Billy Squire's The Stroke. And um, it just kind of just tells me I- I'm energized, it feels good, and we're going to have a good show today.
0: Never heard of him, man.
1: Probably not good music
0: if I haven't heard of him. You are the worst. <laughs> Sorry, dude. Anyway, I mentioned our great guest. It's Liz Loza of Yahoo Sports. Been looking forward to chatting with her. She's on Twitter at Liz Loza underscore FF. I'm at Bobby Fantasy Pro. And Tags, of course, is at Mike Taglier NFL. Give us all a follow. Liz, how's it going? Thanks for carving out the time to chat with us.
2: Of course. Thank you guys so much for having me. Um, it was great. I think that we actually have met in person, right? Like we were in Nashville together for a hot minute.
0: Mm-hmm. I was really mad about Nikhil Harry not going to the Seahawks, so I actually didn't come over. I was just sitting there pouting on <laughs> myself. <so>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, Liz and I, we've hung out on multiple occasions. We met at an FSTA when I, I legitimately like knew very little people in the industry. Uh, we met there. She invited me on her podcast, never ever since then, we've been like best friends, so I'm sorry, Bobby.
0: Yeah, and I heard that she's a Rams fan and used to be a Bears fan, or is kind of both, so... Uh, we're we're really not friends yet, Liz. Hopefully you can change that during the show.
2: You know what, Bobby? Like, I will just <laughs> say this before people get the wrong idea of what kind of lady I am. Fan- football <laughs> fandom and football fidelity is fluid. So, sure, you know, especially right. if, you, if you make your money in fantasy.
0: <laughs> so, guys, I had a golf league yesterday after the podcast, and we had a pretty fierce debate. So I'm going to need you guys to weigh in. Everyone wants to know where you stand on this. When you go to a Chinese food buffet, do you go all meet... Or do you have to eat rice with the meat? What? What do you mean what, man? It's a very straightforward question. Liz, what's your answer? You've never been to a Chinese food buffet?
2: Oh, stop no. it, Mike. You live in Chicago. Yes, you have. The
1: only Chinese food I've ever eaten has come as like a meal. I order my sweet and sour chicken, I get an egg roll on the side, and I am set. That's all. I, I don't I do not do buffets. You
0: need to leave this podcast right now and go to a Chinese food buffet.
2: No, you don't. And if you do, the only, it, it doesn't matter if you have meat or rice with meat. The question is four-ply or eight-ply toilet paper afterwards because that will rip through you like nothing else.
0: <laughs> okay, that's that conversation is going to uh, have to move along. And, guys, we've got Start Sit to talk about. We do have some news. Before we do that, though.
2: No kidding. You're going to yeah. have to sit after that buffet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Before we do get into that news, though, I want to tell you about our Start Sit Assistant. And this is a tool that I use every single week in all of my leagues. And you know how when you're doing waiver wire pickups, it can just feel like homework? Well, this makes it really easy because I can look at every single one of my leagues, whether it's on Yahoo, ESPN, NFL.com, CBS Sports, whatever it is, it puts them all on Fantasy Pros and tells me what the consensus experts think about who I should start. And I would highly advise you do not enter your leagues this year without using the Start Sit Assistant every week. It's going to give you instant recommendations on the best lineup for your current week, the percentages, like I said, of the experts Who would start each player on your roster. You can get suggestions from either our expert consensus. The most accurate experts. Your favorite experts. However you want to do it. And you're even going to receive instant email notifications. If your optimal lineup changes. MVP and Hall of Fame members. Can even submit optimal lineups to their league's website. Directly from my playbook. Give yourself the biggest shot at submitting your best lineup using our start set assistant at fantasypros.com slash my playbook. Only premium members can use our start set assistant. So you can go premium today. If you haven't done so already, then use our start set assistant at fantasypros.com slash my playbook. All right, guys, so we do have a little bit of news to talk about. And as much as I hate covering stuff like this, and we're we're certainly not going to speculate because we have no idea what's going to happen, but we do need to discuss Antonio Brown. Look, there's a chance that he still plays football. In fact, I would imagine that it's likely that he plays football at least until we figure out what's going on here. So you guys would... I would assume, advise hanging on to Antonio Brown. Is that where you would go, Liz?
2: Yeah, absolutely. With the Patriots, 100%. Also, I mean, can we stop with the pearl clutching at this point? Oh, I'm so shocked that somebody with these allegations... Hello, he moved from a team where the quarterback had the same damn allegations. Nothing is going to happen here, especially with a franchise as powerful and, dare we say, corrupt as the New England Patriots. He's going to play football. (laughs) I would be... Stunned if he was exited from the league. And the interview I heard with uh, Drew Rosenhaus this morning said that there was a possibility. Our own Charles Robinson actually tweeted Yahoo Sports' own Charles Robinson tweeted something about intimating that the team knew this was a possibility that it could go public. So I'm sure there's a plan in place.
1: I have a I have a quick question for you, Liz. Since we're like we don't need to talk too much about it, but if someone if, let's pretend that you own Antonio Brown in the league and someone offers you Sammy Watkins, do you take it?
2: Nah. No, thank you. Because Sammy Watkins, I I understand the question, right, with Tyreek Hill being absent, but Nicole Hardman is also a part of the team. Yes, he's a rookie, but he was drafted, I would imagine, exactly for Tyreek Hill insurance. Um obviously before Tyreek was added to the extension and even added back to the uh the team. So, uh, Sammy Watkins is a player like I—I I love it. I understand where we're—we're adding him, but there's also going to be a moment where he doesn't do what he's expected to do because that is the Sammy Watkins roller coaster that we've been on. So, I—I um, I don't think I'm trading those two players. I just think Antonio Brown, especially in a New England Patriots system, is going to be so much more valuable long-term. You're just going to have to deal with the drama, but I'd rather. You know, if I'm speaking from a clearly fantasy POV, deal with the drama that is off the field and maybe emotional and personal versus the drama of production week in and week out that Sammy Watkins is going to give you.
0: You're exactly right. I, I would agree with that. I like Sammy Watkins. I think that he looks a lot faster and healthier than he did this time last season. And so I think that this could be legitimate. It could hang on for a while, but even so, I'm not trading Antonio Brown for him. You know what's interesting? I'm looking at our rankings. By the way, it's at fantasypros.com slash rankings if you want to check it out. And our rankings are an expert consensus. So it takes 100 analysts around the industry, mashes them all together, says this is what the industry as a whole thinks about these players. Sammy Watkins tags. Wide receiver number eight this week over Mike Evans. Adam Thielen, Amari Cooper. That's a little too high for me.
1: I like him over Mike Evans. I I really do. I I think the matchup calls for it too. Uh, Mike Evans' matchup against James Bradbury has been going south on him very fast. Uh, Every time they play, it seems like James Bradbury gets better. Uh, And obviously we saw Jameis Winston not play (laughs) so well in week one, uh, while Chris Godwin is a real thing. So uh, I would definitely, I would play Sammy over Mike Evans this week. I have Sammy Watkins currently as my wide receiver 10 for the week. So uh, I'm not I'm not as high as wide receiver eight, but I'm, he's he's starting in every league you have.
0: And this is a start, sit show. So um, we're going to move on and talk about some of those guys. Two other quick pieces of news, however, we don't need to discuss them. But A.J. Green is out of his walking boot. Tyreek Hill is going to be out four to six weeks. So I do think Hardman is going to be a solid pickup. Like you said, he's insurance for Hill. He's going to be playing all those snaps. Um, so let's move on. And we're going to start at the running back position. We'll spend the most of our time at running back wide receiver just because these are the more important decisions you can pick up any number of quarterbacks to plug in any week, and there's really not that much of a difference. Now, granted, there are some better matchups, some streamers like Josh Allen that we'll get into a little bit later, but we'll mostly just touch on quarterback, tight end, DST, and we'll spend the meat of the show talking about running back, wide receiver. So let's start there, and we're in this range of, you know, running backs 15 to 35, maybe somebody a little further out, and, you know, these guys aren't always starts, but is there somebody, Tags, that is a definite start for you in this group this week?
1: That is a definite start. I mean, Austin Eckler, you're starting him. He was someone that people drafted as like a borderline starter. You're obviously starting him. Uh, Giovanni Bernard looks like a guy that could potentially start if Joe Mixon is out. Uh, Those are guys that people didn't draft as starters, but I definitely think you consider them. Uh, But going further down, uh, Miles Sanders is someone that I'm going to be willing to start again. Uh, You know, Atlanta Falcons, uh, Tack McKinley got hurt last week. They they look terrible. Let's Let's just be honest. That Atlanta defense was healthy. They got all their starters back on defense. But Dan Quinn, for whatever reason, they're regressing as a defense defense. Miles Sanders is someone that played 36 snaps in his first game under Doug Peterson. Uh, the game script was was solid for someone like Jordan Howard. You know, uh, they, they caught up in that game, and they could have used Jordan Howard a lot more than they did, but Miles Sanders is a true three-down back. He had a touchdown that was called back uh, due to a phantom holding penalty that really wasn't there, uh, so his stat line could have looked a lot better, but his usage is what you're chasing, and they're going into Atlanta to play in a, a place where last year during the regular season, it was the third most fantasy points were scored in that stadium. So it it should live up to the high total it has in that game.
0: They're not very good against pass catching backs, and I think Sproles is going to have a bigger role in this game. Miles Sanders had 12 touches, Sproles had 12, Howard had 8. I don't know if that's necessarily going to change. So I don't have him as a lock to start. Yeah, you can put him in the flex. Liz, where do you have Miles Sanders?
2: Uh, I like Miles Sanders this week. You both bring up good points, and I do think there's going to be a timeshare. Obviously, we all know the stat, right? The errors, the Atlanta Falcons give up the most yards via the air to opposing running backs. Like We've heard it a bajillion times, I think, for three years running that's been happening. However, I was, and maybe this is, you know, Team Silver Linings, I was, I'm happy to see that Miles Sanders was getting some of the work near the red zone, near the goal line in week one. So, I mean, to me, this is RIP Jordan Howard, right? Like, if I look at the Philadelphia um, backfield, I think, okay, there's one piece missing. How much longer can Darren Sproles keep it up at his, what, age 36, I want to say, um, at this point? So, yes, his job is... Great match for the matchup, right? The the pass catching back, but also as we all as we saw, there are tons of pass catching weapons that have been added to this Philadelphia Eagles offense. And so if I look at what which of these things is not like the other, and the answer is Miles Sanders and the fact that he got red zone work makes me continue to believe he is a guy that I think is gonna slowly chisel away at that obvious RB1 job.
0: Yeah, don't hear me wrong. He looks phenomenal. When I watch him play, it's like, man, is this Dalvin Cook just in a different uniform? He looks that good, guys. I just don't know how many snaps and how many touches he's going to get. If he gets over 45 snaps, I would be shocked. And so in my mind, that doesn't make him a lock. Now, Darren Sproles, let me say this again. Like, he's an RB5. He's not even in consideration to play. I just think he's going to cut into Miles Sanders' workload. Now, another name Tags mentioned is Giovanni Bernard. Is he a must start for you if Joe Mixon is out, Liz?
2: I think so. I, I I mean, I absolutely think so. And I actually think, you know, Mixon is a wildly efficient pass catcher, which I don't think he gets enough credit for because he's such an explosive and electric runner. But we do know that Giovanni Bernard, he has kind of that Dion Lewis type skill set, right? Where he can, at least in limited exposure, run between the tackles. And we know he's a great pass catching back. And when I think about the offensive line and um, how tattered it in theory is, right? It did, did hold together quite well, much better than I expected in week one and I think about the offensive change with Zach Taylor coming to town, I think about a lot of quick passes um, that'll keep Andy Dalton efficient and will move the chains, and that, to me, is all Gio Bernard's job.
0: We've seen Gio Bernard in this role before, and he was an, actually an RB1 for a four-week stretch. Now, granted, that's a smaller sample size. Granted, the offensive line is much worse. But with Zach Taylor, I think that Gio Bernard should be locked into your lineup if Joe Mixon's out. I've got him at RB21, and somebody that I've got right in that range – that you want to always start, but especially with Tevin Coleman out, I think Matt Burida is also a lock to start. Would you agree with that, Liz?
2: Yeah, I love Burida. I mean, he won the RB1 job. But I don't think a lot of people were paying attention even heading into the season. So um, he is another back with a do it all skill set. I think the interesting thing there is. Is are we gonna see a resurgence of the hashtag Most Art Season on Twitter? Right, <laughs> I, I'm I'm not holding my breath for it. I don't anticipate it, but I think uh, Burita is is clearly gonna lead the lead the charge here.
0: Yeah, and it's a good matchup against Cincinnati as well, who. I would imagine, has one of the bottom five or six running defenses in the NFL. This is very likely to be a positive game script for the 40. Actually, the, the Bengals looked good against the Seahawks, so maybe I shouldn't go that far.
2: Yeah, but Chris Carson picked them apart. There's only so much Geno Atkins can do, right? So, like mm-hmm. He
0: absolutely did.
2: Both of the players that I wanted to mention, actually I have three because I'm a glutton for punishment, um, were on your list. I wanted to talk about Devin Singletary because another one of these developing backfields um, that seemed super crowded in, say, June has thinned out, not just with the shipping of LaShawn McCoy to Kansas City, but also, you know, people were real tilted about the fact that uh, Devin Singletary didn't get nearly the number of touches that... Frank Gore did, but he was, if people bothered to watch the tape, wildly explosive. And when you look at the snap count, Devin Singletary had 70% of the snaps. Frank Gore, 28%. TJ Yeldon at hashtag uh, total junk, only 3%. And I mean, I know we ripped off like a 20 plus yard run, but like The yards per touch for Devin Singletary was 10.9. That was number one among running backs for the week. He had two breakaway runs. That was number three for running backs. I have to imagine that Sean McDermott's going to take note of that. And then when you look at the matchup at the Giants, like sure, maybe he doesn't, you know, get all of the run, but this is such a beatable team via the air and the ground. Frankly, we saw what a slow, rusty Zeke did against them. Yes, a slow, rusty Zeke is still pretty damn impressive, but Tony Pollard was no slouch either when you look at the rushing stats. So I think that Devin Singletary is a person that that maybe the more casual fantasy fan would be off of because they didn't see him you know, have this huge touch total. But in fact, the tape and the matchup, to me, make him uh, a top 20 play, top 25 play, surely. Also want to talk about Chris Thompson because Darius Geis just cannot stay healthy. He's had such bad luck after five, uh, I believe five surgeries as a result of one ACL. All of those, uh, like the last ACL surgery that he had, he had five extra operations because of setbacks. Um, you know, and then he had one stinking stiff arm in the preseason and everybody was ready to crown him again. I didn't think he looked that great. He had a nice hole on that run, frankly, in the preseason. And hello, it's the preseason. So now he's out. He has an MCL sprain again. I think it's on the other knee, though, but still worth mentioning. Uh, he's not going to play in week two. Jay Gruden roasted Adrian Peterson after that game. I mean, it was a healthy scratch for the game. By the way, have we seen this before? Adrian <laughs> Peterson um, on the sidelines. Complaining that he can't get in the game. Yeah, exactly. So he is going to be active even if they aren't, you know, trying to touch the ball 50 times in an eye formation or whatever. Uh, exactly it was that Jay Gruden said after the game you'll see him active but when I look at the game script I think Dallas looks amazing like one of my one of the takeaways from week one that I was the most excited about I'm not a Dallas fan I'm married to a Redskins fan in fact so the Cowboys doing well does not necessarily go well in my house but Kellen Moore has certainly changed this offense and opened things up which is so good for Michael Gallup right who I think we all agree could be a huge breakout this year it's so good for Amari Cooper it's so one wonderful. Zeke is still going to be the fulcrum of this entire offense and and the the heartbeat of it, but it's so nice to see more balance added to this offense. If they don't need Zeke, they don't have to run him. I love it. And I think that's also going to create more high-scoring games, especially considering that that defense is still trying to get healthy, right? They're not 100% yet. They're working back from some pretty big injuries. Chris Thompson, then, is a the guy that I like a lot this week. We He looked healthy. Again, who knows how long it can last? Let's knock on some wood because right now we're okay. And again, when I think about Case Keenum and his skill set and an offensive line that has some, some issues surrounding it, especially with the Trent Williams holdout, then I think about a lot of checkdowns, and that is Chris Thompson's game, especially in a matchup where I expect the Redskins to be working from behind quite a bit
1: All right guys and before we move on I do want to tell you about another one of our sponsors NFL game pass only with NFL game pass can you replay every game all season long you can relive all the gutsy calls crazy catches wild comebacks and breakout stars from every game every week it's all the action all the football you can handle all in one place. I'm most excited to watch the Cowboys games this season because Kellen Moore called a hell of a game in week one. And with NFL Game Pass, I can replay every one of their games if I want to, either by replaying the full broadcast version or the entire game in only 45 minutes with condensed games. If you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you can go and try it out. It's every play from the beginning to the end, back to back to back, so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the Super Bowl contenders, fringe playoff teams, and teams I think might sneak up on you. Who's really the team to beat in the AFC West? The Chargers or the Chiefs? Do the Saints have what it takes to stay atop the NFC South? Have the Patriots gotten even better from last season? To see all the action this season, stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, we've got a special offer for a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Sign up now at nfl.com forward slash fantasy pros. I think going back to the Devin Singletary thing, I'm glad that you noticed the the snap counts because I went and looked at that. 45 snaps for Singletary, 19 for Gore. Uh, So Singletary... He's been working his way up the depth chart all off season, right? He was drafted as a guy that was behind Frank Gore, who's a veteran coming in. He was behind LaShawn McCoy. They didn't want to trade him right away. And it's like TJ Yeldon's a better pass catcher, yada yada. We hear all this, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, Singletary, that they found obviously he moved his way up the depth chart enough for them to get rid of LaShawn McCoy. And then it's like, oh, he passed TJ Yeldon. TJ Yeldon gets two snaps. And now it's just Frank Gore that obstacle. We know who Frank Gore is, okay? He's gonna he's a guy that's gonna get three and a half, four yards per carry, not much more, not much less. He's a guy that's not going to lose yards for for you. Whereas Devin Singletary, he only caught six passes in his final year in college.
2: had six targets. He had six targets. Right. I, that's awesome. And I, I love all of these points that you're that you're making tags. Also, if Cole Beasley can't catch a damn ball and he's supposed to be a safety valve, guess who's gonna get <laughs> looked at?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and John Brown's not exactly a target machine, like he's the number one there, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if Devin Singletary ends up number two on this team in targets based on what we saw in week one, and you're right, he looked great. All of his carries were double-digit yards, and that was against a pretty good Jets run defense.
1: Yeah, uh, the Giants this week, that's why I like the call. I mean, the question I would have for you, Liz, is like, would you start Devin Singletary over someone like like Philip Lindsay, who has a very tough matchup against the Bears?
2: I would.
0: Me too. Yep. I've got Singletary 27, Philip Lindsay 32. What about Tariq Cohen going up against Denver? They used him in the slot so much, Liz.
2: So I am going to sit back on Cohen a little bit. I watched the, you know, as a Bears fan, the season opener quite well. But Anthony Miller wasn't used at all in that game. And I have to believe it was because of the injury that he was dealing with in the preseason. So I am going to, the answer is Anthony Miller. Like I want to see how much run he gets in practice this week. Wednesday's a little bit too early, but if I think he is active and 100% and the the practice reports and the beat writers are all saying that he's GTG, then uh, I'm going to pull my ranking of Tariq Cohen back a little bit.
0: Do you guys remember last year when everybody cut Calvin Ridley? Everybody cut Marlon Mack. People didn't hang on to Nick Chubb. Guys, don't panic and cut these guys that you drafted in the 8th, ninth, 10th round if they didn't have a good week one. A lot of times that's going to burn you. I don't know how many people told me last year, man, I should have listened to you and hung on to Marlon Mack. Now, granted, Tex and I admit when we miss some things, hang on to Anthony Miller. Hang on to Geronimo Allison at least one more week. I would hang on to Justice Hill as well. That one's starting to look a little bit scary just because Gus Edwards played so much. But again, it was a blowout. Um, But I would just advise you guys, if you spent draft capital on him, hang on to him for more than one week.
2: The Tampa Bay Buccaneers backfield is one that I, you know, in my mind, I'm like, Liz, just step away. Don't mess with it. You don't want to mess with it. But I, and maybe it's a take lock, I will admit from last year, but Rojo did look better and I will never believe that Peyton Barber is the answer. Ever. And you know, this team has a lot of problems. They I mean Jameis Winston is maybe a liability, but also All three of these players, the rookie, Dare, he had the most snaps with nearly 40%. Um, Jones had the fewest with 31%, but he also frankly looked the best of the three. And so I'm interested to see what they can do at Carolina because while, you know, they added McCoy um, in the offseason and they made some upgrades, McCoy was released from Tampa Bay because of his, he was freelancing at the line and he wasn't really doing it um, on on the run so much, and so the Carolina Panthers did give up 166 total rushing yards and, a, and an average of 5.2 yards per carry to the Rams. Yes, that's Todd Gurley, but it's a different Todd Gurley. Malcolm Brown got in there, you know, so um, I think that Rojo, especially on a short week when that defense is tired, Rojo, we always know that running backs tend to perform better, could have a little bit of a breakout. Now, I'm not telling people to necessarily start him in your In your season long, but if you are looking for an interesting Thursday night play, something that's not chalk in DFS, maybe roll him out there. He's a dart throw.
0: It's an interesting one for sure. I think that long term, he's a great play because of Bruce Arians. And you're right. Ronald Jones looked much improved. Tags, I don't know if I can play him uh, Thursday night against Carolina just because... Uh, Bruce Arians came out and said, Peyton Barber still is the starter. Now they're going to feed the hot hand. And I think it's very likely Ronald Jones will be the hot hand, but can you trust him in week two?
1: This is like the running back version of the Ravens tight ends, right? We have Mar- Mark Andrews, who is third on the team in snaps, like Hayden Hurst and Nick Boyle, both out snapped him, but you have to follow the targets, right? He was the guy that ran the most routes. Ronald Jones, when he was on the field, he's touching the ball. He had 14 touches. Barber had 10, Bowale had four. So when they- when he's on the field, they were giving him the ball and he looked fantastic. There's really no reason to run away from Ronald Jones after that, game he had. I think Aaron's is making him earn it. I think there's a reason they didn't draft a running back. I think there's also a reason they didn't grab a running back in free agency that they felt like they needed to have because they needed to find out if Ronald Jones could be that guy so that they didn't have to waste a draft pick. I thought he looked really good with the with the added weight. It looked like he didn't lose any of his versatility like in terms of like his mobility as a running back. Um, but he looked good. He had a couple jump cuts that I saw. I went back and watched that game again. Uh, and Jones did look good. There's there's offensive line concerns for sure. But if you're looking for a home run threat on that team, Liz is right. It's damn sure not Peyton Barber. I would play Ronald
0: Jones over Malcolm Brown. I know a lot of you guys are going to be excited about Malcolm Brown, but he just didn't play enough.
2: Oh, he's so touchdown dependent. Malcolm Brown is. I I do think it makes sense. And you're gonna Todd Gurley owners are going to see um Malcolm Brown vulture plenty of. Todd Gurley touchdowns and it makes sense right like let's protect our high capital investment from the volatility at the goal line why not but that is so tough especially when you have like Brandon Cooks on the squad and you've got these two tight ends I thought it was gonna be Gerald Everett in week one it was Tyler Higbee like there's a lot of red zone options Cooper Cup on that team so good luck choosing touchdowns
0: yeah I think Malcolm Brown has a lot of upside if anything did happen to Gurley no granted he's not going to be a three down back um, Daryl Henderson is there and they would use him on third downs as Sean McVay's told us. But, um, I, I don't know if you can quite use him unless that happens against new Orleans, not the best matchup, probably going to be a high scoring game. So he's right on the fringe, but yeah, I'd prefer Ronald Jones. Let me throw a few other names in there. Royce Freeman, who was running basically 50, 50 with Philip Lindsay going up against Chicago. Would you rather have him, Ronald Jones, Justin Jackson at Detroit, or let's throw in Carlos Hyde against Jacksonville? Liz, your first.
2: I think I would probably play Royce Freeman ahead of any of those guys even against Chicago. I'm I'm curious about the Vic Fangio Chicago connection and knowing he has to rebound. So, I I do think I'd play Royce Freeman ahead. Um I have notes about the Houston game. I know we're really I that's actually what I want to talk about next is the Houston backfield, so I'll save that um it is too tough. I, I, I maybe my heart has been broken too much by by Ronald Jones to roll him out ahead of Royce <laughs> right now.
0: Yeah, I don't quite have him up there right now. I've got Royce Freeman thirty eight, Ronald Jones forty tags?
1: I would go with Carlos Hyde of the bunch, uh, believe it or not. Against Jacksonville. Yeah, Jacksonville, if there's one area that you can beat them, it's definitely against the run and that, that team just continually looks defeated. Like I, I remember watching last year as it went on, it, when I was telling people, I was like, they're not a bad defense, guys. I know they're not elite anymore and they're not the Bears-level defense, but they're still good. And then it got to the point where it's like, all of a sudden, Jalen Ramsey's allowing two touchdowns in coverage against Sammy Watkins. Jalen Ramsey's a guy that never allowed more than three touchdowns in a single year, let alone two in one game. Uh, like The defense it just looks like that team has given up on, on the coach that's I'm starting to get that feeling about them already again and they're fighting with the opponents I just don't think it's a very good team Carlos Hyde
2: okay can we talk about them then I really want to talk about the Houston backfield let's do this
1: yeah yeah I mean the thing is is if we look at the Jags in terms of the matchup the reason I like Hyde is because it, it's clear that Houston views him as the one two down back and they're going to mix in Duke Johnson it's going to be more than the Browns did but if we look at the Jags last year when they were on the road their opponents averaged 29.4 Carries per game. So if we look at that and we say, okay, um, like I don't think that Gardner Minshew is going to walk in and just dominate Houston in Texas. I don't think that's happening. So it's like if we're looking at, you know, let's call it 25 carries between those two running backs. I would say Hyde is cl- going to be closer to 15, where you have someone like Duke Johnson closer to 10, maybe. So it's more about the volume with him. I think he's a sturdy RB three this week. Where I don't think you could say the same about the guys that you mentioned, like a Malcolm Brown, a Ronald Jones, or you know Royce Freeman.
0: And I'm a Jags fan, and I still think this is going to be a positive game script for Houston. Um, Houston's just by far the better team. They're playing at home. I think Carlos Hyde will get some touches. Liz, what do you have to say about this backfield?
2: I understand your analysis, and it is probably the safer analysis than what I'm about to provide, but I was very impressed with, and heading into one of my like things to watch heading into this season, I would say of my top five things to watch was... How a coach like John Filippo, who got fired for refusing to run the ball, changes, and can he, change the philosophy in Jacksonville, which we all believe to be a very conservative, lean on the defense, establish the run offense, right? And all of the narratives, right, were that this defense is going to rebound after a giant regression in 2018, but... Flip comes in and, and people might say, well, you know, the Kansas City defense was still uh, coalescing and there are still question marks and holes in that defense. And obviously they're trying to play catch up. But and, and sure, there was a Minchu who, you know, nobody really knew was a corporeal human being and no tape available on for the defense in Kansas City to, to scheme against uh, out of nowhere. Fine. But you did see John DeFilippo open up this offense. You saw DJ Chark run like he hadn't run since the Combine. You saw one of my pet players, Chris Connolly, have himself a little bit of a revenge yes. game. You saw him get fed. Those DD <laughs> Westbrook um, truthers can shut up. Like, this is not the same dink and dunk offense. I think they're opening up. And when you, and you add in the fact, that Houston is now without Aaron Colvin, another DB, and already had secondary issues. I think that Johnny Filippo is his mouth is watering, right? He's licking his chops, thinking, "Yes, Houston is angry after that near win against the uh, the Saints on Monday night, but they're coming off of a short week. Flip has had some time to prepare." I think he's going to try to go ham and really really push the ball through the air which to me means less opportunity for Carlos Hyde because I don't think that BOB living in his GMHC world is even going to bother to try to play keep away from the Jags. I think he's like, "Ah, this is a, we'll bounce back no problem. He's not preparing for this. <laughs> team. This going to be a, this could be a trap game. I'm saying it the Houston Texans. Get excited, Bobby. I'm trying to earn you back from my, from my Rams and Bears fandom. <laughs> We're going to see Duke Johnson, but I think Duke Johnson's opportunities are going to be limited because we saw Kenny Stills have a great clutch game, also having a bit of a revenge moment. V.O.B. came out this morning and said Stills is going to be a huge part of this offense. Will Fuller's got that crazy speed. He owned Eli Apple in the first half of that game, and so I think this is going to be a shootout that no one is anticipating.
0: I like that a lot. You know, I part of me is almost mad at you for saying that because I just want a high draft pick so we can get a quarterback. I don't think this team's very good, but you know what if we can beat Houston, maybe we do have a chance. That would be fun. I don't
2: think- y'all are going to win, but I do think Flip's going to put it into the air and try.
0: Yeah. <laughs> By the way, Gardner Minshew is my spirit animal with the jorts and the mustache. That's my dude.
1: <laughs> B- Bobby looks just like him. Uh, But no, Leonard Fournette, I, I do want to say this about Fournette before we move on, because Liz made a great point about DiFilippo and what he did with the offense. Fournette coming into this year had seen eight man boxes, eight plus man boxes, 40% of the time in his career. In week one, that number was down to 15%. There's a reason for that. All right, guys, before we get back into the show, I do want to remind you that we were giving away an Antonio Brown signed helmet. Uh, We're going to end that early because of the allegations that have come out. So the winner, Darius S. from Chicago, we're going to be shipping that out to you. And while we're on that topic, guys, I want to remind you guys, go and check out Pristine Auction. They have daily auctions ending every night with hundreds of lots. There is tons of stuff for your man cave. Always something perfect for a fan of every team. Everything is guaranteed authentic. It all comes with a certificate for your collection. It's affordable. Most people don't think that they can afford this stuff, but I promise you it is much more affordable than you think. And it's not just sports memorabilia, guys. I ordered a Friday the 13th mask that's signed by the actor that actually played uh, Jason in those movies. I'm a movie guy, so I went to check out some stuff that they have outside of sports. They have something for everybody there. Make sure you go and check it out. Pristine Auction. That is P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E auction.com. When you guys do go, it is quick and free to register. All we ask that you do when you go in, there's a registration code. Put Fantasy Pros in there. All one word. It's located at the top of the registration page. It is free again to sign up. You don't pay anything unless you win. And just by using that promo code, they're going to give you a free $5 credit. Again, guys, that's pristineauction.com. P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E auction.com.
0: All right, guys, I've got three more names I'm going to run by you. Um, If you have to choose between these three to start, Okay, would you go with Rex Burkhead at Miami in that 18.5-point spread? David Montgomery at Denver, or are you going with Kenyon Drake face New England? I'm going full,
1: Monty.
2: I ha- I have to agree. I mean, Rex Burkhead was my other running back to pass on. So the Houston backfield was my first one to oh, really? pass okay. on. And Rex Burkhead was my second running back, or I guess third technically, to pass on. Um, Because I do think when you have Antonio, but this is assuming Antonio Brown is going to play. Even if he doesn't play a full complement of snaps, I do think some of that receiving work is going to go A. B.'s way and be taken away from Rex Burkhead, and I think this is a, a very good spot for Sony Michelle to bounce back in, especially when considering the matchup. You know, I don't think the Patriots are not a team that ever takes, they're like the anti-Mike McCarthy, right? Like they never take their foot off the gas. But I think that means good things for James White more than for Rex Burkhead. And, and I think that means more for the receiver. So I think Sony Michel, who does have, you know, a dual skill set, he can catch balls through the air, even if that's not his primary job in New England, will have a bounce back game here. So that's why I'm fading Rex. And I think in terms of David Montgomery, like I have to believe that Matt Nagy who is certainly more uh, knowledgeable of the game than I am, can watch the tape from last Thursday and say, okay, Mike Davis doesn't get that first down. We got to give Monty some work. We got to we gotta improve. And we already talked about Anthony Miller, right? Is, is a, a potential, potentially uh, having more of more volume in this one as well. And so I'm, I, I think I have um, Montgomery, he's my RB 33. And I think that's probably too low.
1: I have him at thirty, so yeah, we're pretty close. And by the way, guys, we have breaking news um that just popped out. Hunter Henry suffered a tibia plateau fracture in his left knee during uh the game against the Colts.
2: Even though he came back in overtime for that one catch?
1: They didn't announce that he is being placed on injured reserve, so they're saying that it leaves the door open for him to come back, but it's So
2: what is Mike Williams healthy? Did we know because he got banged up in that game too?
1: He appears, yeah, it appears his knee is fine. They said they saw him walking around in the locker room and that everything is going to be fine with him. But as for Hunter Henry, not so much. I mean.
2: So how does that affect your Austin Eckler, Justin Jackson, and Mike Williams ranking?
1: Mike Williams shoots up. Yeah, he he has to. I mean, he's like the biggest red zone threat now. Keenan Allen was always going to have the same role that he did. And I think even Travis Benjamin, a guy that I've been saying that I, I, th- I like him as a sleeper this week. That was going to be my uh, bold prediction at the end of the show, actually, was that Travis Benjamin is like a sleeper start against the Lions this week with Mike, uh, with Mike Williams facing uh, Darius Slay. So this is going to be uh, interesting for sure.
2: I think Justin Jackson gets a little bit more action here, too.
0: Yeah, I hope so. I just want to see that guy play. Him and Mike Boone, man. If I had an NFL team and I had Justin Jackson and Mike Boone, I'd be so happy. <laughs> Bobby's a huge Mike Boone truther. Everyone's a huge Mike Boone truther if they've seen him play football.
2: Well, that is some good, I mean, not good news, but that is, uh, uh, thank you for sharing that news, Tags.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not, not, not great. And Antonio Gates is probably going to come crawling back to the Chargers. No, thank you for sharing that news. I have all the Hunter Henry shares. I- I'm fairly certain that Antonio uh, Gates is going to come crawling back to the Chargers. Oh, that'd be awesome, wouldn't it? No. Um,
0: You know, I want to say this about Rex Burkhead before we move on to wide receivers. I actually like him a little bit this week, and the reason why is we saw what the Patriots will do in a blowout. Sony Michelle, we know he's got the knee concerns. Yeah, he didn't look as good. He didn't have as many snaps. And the reason why is when the game got out of hand, they took him out to be careful with his knee. And Rex Burkhead got all the touches in that second half, just like Gus Edwards got all the touches for Baltimore in a blowout this week. And it's an 18.5 point spread. I don't remember ever seeing one that high before. Rex Burkhead is probably going to lead this backfield in touches, and it's against Miami. So I, I wouldn't mind playing him this week. And I am planning on buying low on Sonny Michel in, in the trade market after another week where everyone's saying he didn't even produce against Miami. I think it's because he's not going to play as much. I've actually got Sony Michelle down as my running back twenty six right now. Ooh,
1: yeah, you're low on him, dude. I have him as my in a top in top fifteen. I I think he's scoring two touchdowns this week. All right. We'll see what happens. Let's move on over to wide receiver. Liz,
0: do you want to start us off at wide receiver this week?
2: Sure. Um, And these are guys like in the wide receiver three glut of options, right? Yeah. Okay. So um, I want to talk about another, like I talked about Devin Singletary. I am trying to target that matchup against the Giants as much as possible. And John Brown, I, I love in this one. I mean, again, I don't think he's going to see a ton of targets necessarily, uh, but... I think that he gets lucky and the matchup is so damn juicy that how do you not? And especially if you're trying to build Josh Allen's confidence after a very up and down effort, right? Like Josh Allen may be a streamer for fantasy this week at quarterback, but he is not someone that in real life football you want to feel good about. I think when you give him the best damn, one of the best damn ball trackers in the league and you give him this matchup, what better way to improve his his confidence and, um, and bolster him? So I, I like John Brown a lot.
0: I like John Brown as well. I've got him in my top 30. Uh, He's a solid start for me. Tags, who do you have in this solid start range that typically you wouldn't lock in?
1: I mean, you can start Michael Gallup with confidence now. Liz talked about it. I, the Cowboys. It was just so fun watching that game, and that I I haven't said that about the Cowboys for a long time. I've told people that their offense was boring, and I had Cowboys fans come after me and say, "What are you talking about?" And I'm like, "It's a very boring. It's vanilla team, and they have talent on it. But if this is the way they're going to use it, any anybody, this is like a this is a, a gift to the Dallas Cowboys because. Uh, Kellen Moore just he called it a phenomenal game. Uh, Gallup destroyed the Giants. Now, granted, they tried having Janoris Jenkins shadow Amari Cooper for the beginning, and then they realized Amari was moving all over the field, and they just couldn't do it anymore. Uh, but Gallup just destroyed whoever they put in his path as well. He didn't score a touchdown, but seven he caught all seven of his targets for 158 yards. The Redskins are on the slate next. And Gallup, where he per where he lines up most of the time, it's usually on the opposite side of gro- uh, Josh Norman. And while Norman isn't like He's not, a, he's not a, a shutdown corner anymore. He's not that guy. If he does shadow anybody, it's going to be Amari Cooper, which means Michael Gallup is going to see Quentin Dunbar. He's a fifth-year veteran who's never, ever been trusted in like a full-time role. So uh, during last year, he allowed five touchdowns on just 44 targets in coverage. Michael Gallup can be played as a wide receiver three.
2: I just, m- m- tags, I'm so bummed that you, like, did that because that's going to be one of my sleeper plays on Fantasy Football Live this week <laughs> and on Fridays, and I didn't want to do it on your show because I want to give people some variety, but spoiler alert, if you listen to Fantasy Football Live, Michael Gallup is on my Fantasy Damage segment.
0: There you go. I love that. Guys, I've got Corey Davis in this range. Oh, why? Why? I know he was off on week one, but he's not playing He's not playing Denzel Ward this week. We know he's the number one on this team. My, Mike Vrabel's been raving about Corey Davis the whole time, right? And they're playing at home against Indianapolis. If you're not playing Corey Davis this week, why do you even own him? I mean, hopefully you don't. I do. I do own Corey Davis because he's going to have got get 120 targets this year. And eight of them, nine of them are coming in this game. I'm starting a guy with nine targets against Indianapolis. Well,
1: in two, in two games against the Colts last year, he caught seven balls for 78 yards and no touchdowns. I mean, to be fair, he was playing with Blaine Gabbert for most of the games and Mariota missed. Well, he missed like half of. When the game. Mariota played, he was hurt. Right. Well, he played the the first. He threw thirteen balls and then he got hurt and then he had to leave the game. So, I mean, I do like Davis as a player, but I don't. I don't think that you can like comfortably start him. I would rather start Michael Gallup this week. So are you cutting Corey Davis then? I'm not cutting him. I think he's one of the better wide receiver fours to have on your bench. You don't. He's not a guy that you want to rely on week in, week out. You kind of want to wait for it to happen. So I don't have him as a top 36 option for the rest of the year. But I think he's one of the better wide receiver fours you can have on your bench.
2: What do you guys make an A.J. Brown blow up in week one?
1: Really good football player. Not going to be able to rely on him. I think that's a fair way to put it.
2: If Deion Lewis keeps like dropping passes... And Adam Humphreys is is basically faded. Like, why wouldn't you? I I just think that A.J. Brown has a versatile skill set beyond the rest of those players, right? Like, he can do the outside thing. He can be a big slot. Like, to me, he has the versatility. And we all know that Marcus Mariota needs as many helping hands as he can get.
1: I wanted to see A.J. Brown as a big slot receiver in the NFL. I thought he would fit that role perfectly. He's hard to bring down after the catch. You get the ball in his hands and you let him do his work. Uh, A.J. Brown was, him and D.K. were my top receivers in this draft class. Uh, A.J. Brown was probably the most well-rounded one that I felt like he can walk into the NFL and play right away. But I was like, when he went to uh, Tennessee, I was like, I'm done. I'm done with it because I'm not drafting him anywhere. I'm not drafting him in dynasty formats because that means he's tied to Marcus Mariota for the foreseeable future. And that has not produced any any consistent fantasy wide receiver, uh, what A.J. Brown did last week was basically all after the catch. Uh, he was he was a man amongst boys. He's, he's, he's a really big guy. It's just, you know, as Bobby mentioned, Mike Vrabel has talked about it and said, Corey Davis is the best receiver on this football team, and it's not even that close right now. Now Davis could play in the slot too, but being they have Adam Humphreys, it really limits the capabilities of what they can do because Adam Humphreys can't play on the perimeter. So I just hate how they constructed this team. Even though AJ Brown and Corey Davis can be one of the best wide receiver combos in football, I really truly believe that.
2: Yeah, your point is totally fair, and nobody wants to mess with the Titans because it doesn't feel like it is an off. Nobody wants to be attached to this offense, right? But after week one, I'm a little, I'm, I am intrigued. Let's say that I haven't put in any waiver claims for AJ Brown just yet. But I am intrigued at what can happen in the future. Anyway, I just had to ask a question. You can go on.
0: <laughs> so would you, would you guys play somebody like Larry Fitzgerald at Baltimore over him, Jarvis Landry at the Jets, and uh, let's throw in D.D. Westbrook against Houston. Who would you rather have of those four? Corey Davis, Larry Fitzgerald, Jarvis Landry, or D.D. Westbrook?
1: I'll go Landry this week. Yeah, I don't
2: like it, but...
1: Yeah, I mean, he's not like a sexy option, but uh, the Browns, if if they want Baker Mayfield to stay alive, they're going to get the ball out quick. And with Odell there, Jarvis Landry is kind of like an afterthought, right? And Jamal Adams is going to be taking care of David Njoku and they don't have the cornerback talent on that roster to handle the Browns receivers. That's basically where I'm coming from with it. And I do expect Baker to, to come back like in a, in a strong way on, on Monday night football. So if, if we know one thing about Baker, he doesn't shy away from attention, right? He loves the attention as a matter of fact. And you know, knowing Odell is uh he, he may, he's like a guy that he can hit you up on slant routes. Sure. But he's, he's one that could be targeted more down the field. Whereas Landry should be the quick hitting option. I just feel like that the jets don't have an, an answer here. Brian pool. I want to say is their starting slot cornerback, cornerback there in New York. So uh, I'll take Landry of those guys.
2: But also don't forget that the Jets lost CJ Mosley in the game before CJ Mosley went out um, and the game after in week one, he went out. were two different, the tale of two different outings, right? Um, And he's got a groin issue. I don't think he's going to play on Sunday. And groins, frankly, terrify me. When I see that sort of injury, I'm like, well, I don't know. Um, So I do think that the Browns are going to protect Baker Mayfield better Also, they're going to have an easier time of it, assuming Mosley isn't in for the Jets, right? So, because I think he had something like five sacks before he was injured. It was insane. Um, So I also think when I looked at OBJ kind of, I mean, I think he had 70-something yards, right? But he only averaged 10 yards per reception. That's not an OBJ stat, right? Like that. And so in this opportunity, when these superstars are wanting to come back, I think the answer is going to be feed OBJ all day long. And so I'm worried about... Landry's your process is totally right mine is much more of a like off the sofa um narrative street thought but I think that Landry's volume might be diminished because I don't know if the if Baker's going to feel the pressure and I think the objective here is going to be to re-establish the ESPN mag cover
1: all right before we move on with the show though I do want to talk to you guys about one of our sponsors Week one is in the books, but DraftKings isn't finished celebrating with some huge fantasy football contests. For week two of the football season, DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy football, is giving you users a free shot at $1.5 million in prizes with your first deposit when you put in code FANTASYPROS during sign-up. Draft your lineup, feel the sweat like never before. Every run, throw, and catch mean more when you have a DraftKings lineup on the line. It's simple, just draft your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Plus, all new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500. That's some extra cash to play with this football season. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching the game quite like having a shot at over $1.5 million in prizes. Download the DraftKings app now and use code FANTASYPROS. For a limited time, both new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500. dollars New users, don't forget to enter our code FANTASYPROS to get a free shot at over $1.5 million in prizes with your first deposit. That's code FANTASYPROS, only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Deposit bonus requires a 25 times playthrough. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All right, Liz, so why don't you give us another wide receiver, and then we'll talk. uh,
0: I'll give you guys groups of three, and, and we'll pick one of the best before we move on to quarterback, tight end, DST, and we'll go through those quick again.
2: I want to talk about MBS in Green Bay. Um, I was a giant MBS truther heading into this season. I know a lot of people like Geronimo Allison because he was going to be the guaranteed slot guy, and with Randall Cobb gone, that made sense in terms of target share. But MVS is a guy who can do both things. He had saw about 40% of his targets last year out of the slot, 60-some, I think, from the outside, He's just a more versatile player. I also would maintain that he is the most athletic wide receiver on this season. Roster. We saw his speed and we saw Aaron Rodgers talk over the summer about how he was particularly trying to adjust his ball to MVS's speed and build a rapport with him. It showed up on Thursday night. I know MVS, he had a great game. He would have had a bigger game uh, had he not had to leave because of cramping. I look at the matchup against the Vikings, right? And the Vikings, clearly, there was an identity confirmation here in Minnesota. Mike Zimmer is not interested in tossing that damn ball. He doesn't care what you have to say. This is the way it's going to be. But I also think, you know, Mike Patton got a lot of uh, praise for his defenses showing in week one, but... I think that, you know, Devontae Adams has a really tough matchup here. I think that means good things for Scantling, who can move in and out. We know the slot corner is a problem with Mackenzie Alexander out, so that would normally be Allison's position, but I think when you have somebody as versatile, athletic as Marquez Valdez Scantling, he is going to have a big game against Minnesota, despite the fact that Minnesota is going to attempt to play keep away. I don't think they're going to be successful at it, because Aaron Rodgers is going to slip in a couple of his own calls, and Matt LaFleur is going to let him do it, and it's going to be a nice big showing for Rodgers even if the point total is not terribly high.
0: You sound like you like the Packers a little bit too much for someone from Chicago. <laughs> I'm, I'm just messing with you.
1: If Matt LaFleur like, knew it was good for him, he wouldn't call plays ever again. Because like he's been terrible as a play caller. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. I, I have no idea why he has the job he does. But uh, Valdez Scaling is someone I was worried about uh, this week, just because, as you mentioned, uh, the slot is where they should be attacking. Trey Waynes is going to be the guy that's going to see him in coverage quite a bit. And Waynes is a guy that... Actually, like he's he struggles against route runners and Valdez Scaling he he can run routes.
2: No, it's not his strong suit. You're right.
1: Right, but but yeah, Valdez Scaling is more of a guy that he can beat you down the field and Trey Waynes has the speed to hang with him. And so we know that Xavier Rhodes is gonna be matched up with Devontae Adams, uh and that's going he's gonna limit his ceiling. So it's like we have to start looking for the players who could potentially, you know, take advantage of that. Not I cannot recommend that someone starts Geronimo Allison this week, but I can tell you to keep him on your bench because I feel like week one, we don't want to overreact. It really sucks to see he didn't have any targets. It really, Valdez scaling is the number two here. I'm not, I'm not saying that Allison's going to be better than him, but in this matchup, like this particular game, Allison should have a bigger game than Valdez scaling.
0: All right, guys, let's go with, I'll give you guys three names. You tell me which of these you would most uh, be comfortable starting. Marvin Jones against the Chargers, Robbie Anderson against Denzel Ward, And John Ross against San Francisco. Liz, you're first.
2: Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. (laughs) So I've got Marvin Jones, John Ross, and Robbie Anderson. Of those guys, I... You know what? I am going to take Robbie Anderson. He was my fade for week one. I felt good about that. But with the news that Quincy Inunua is out for the season with a neck injury, another one, I look at the receiving core in New York, and I think which of these things is not like the other? And the answer is Robbie Anderson. So while I don't like the matchup, I like it much better than Marvin Jones, who did not see the number of looks he needed to see in week one. How disappointing that the Lions had. And then John Ross, like uh, one game a trend does not make.
1: Tags, which of these three are you going with? Marvin Jones for me. Me too. Just as the Cardinals were last week, like short on corners. The Chargers have been dealing with some injuries too. Trevor Williams, one of their starting cornerbacks, is out. Brandon Faxon is the guy that they had to start in his place, and he was just actually like legitimately abused last week, and that's where T.Y. Hilton uh, got his production. So I Marvin Jones typically lines up on his side of the field. It, it's a mix-and-match thing because Jones and Galladay do play on both sides, but I'll take the chance on Jones because I just don't – I don't know if I believe in the run game right now in Detroit. It just doesn't seem like they're they're convinced because they should have been able to run all over Arizona. So now with the Chargers coming to town, do we, do we expect them to run now? I mean, they should, but I'm going to go with Marvin Jones.
0: I don't mind any of the three of them. I do have Jones the highest. I'm afraid of Denzel Ward, so I've got Robbie Anderson, the lowest of this group. Um, Robbie Anderson just has an extremely hard schedule. It's nothing against him, but he's the number one on this team. He's going to be shadowed by these these difficult corners pretty much week in and week out. And let's get a deeper group of three wide receivers. We'll go down to uh, a couple guys who performed well in week one. Emmanuel Sanders, but going up against the Bears. We got Jamison Crowder going up against the Browns. And then Terry McLaurin, if you picked him up, going up against Dallas. Let's throw Hardman in there as well now that Tyreek Hill's out. Which of those four are you starting tags? Uh,
1: Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, against the Bears now, it's not it's not a great matchup, but I do know what Emmanuel Sanders' role is now. He's not playing the slot. Deshaun Hamilton is the guy that's playing, you know, eighty five percent of the slot snaps now, and that's like that's not good for Emmanuel Sanders' like long term production. But against the Bears, it seems like he's going to match up more with like Prince Amukamara, whereas you're going to have Cortland Sutton mix up with uh Kyle Fuller a little bit more. So Sanders can beat. Prince Amukamara like Amukamara is like a fine cornerback when you get pressure right away but Sanders is a smooth route runner and I I still believe at this point in his career he could still beat Prince Amukamara in a race we saw Valdez Gantling completely dust Amukamara last week so if there's one Denver wide receiver that I think can produce in this matchup it's probably Sanders I don't feel great about it but that's where I'd go
2: I just don't trust that Joe Flacco can't not lock in on one receiver. (laughs) That is something he has done over his entire career, and it seems to be Cortland Sutton, even if it is not necessarily the wisest thing to do. I mean, that that looks really awful. I'm going to say, and I don't know why I keep coming back to this matchup, I don't think it's a don't like it. I mean, Jamison Crowder puke. I'm not interested in the, like, what, eight yards per reception that he is averaging. But I think in terms of volume, he's going to see a ton of it. And, you know, again, there are question marks on that line. And there's question marks everywhere on the line come week two, right? Trench talk is not the most exciting talk, but it is the... fulcrum from which everything else moves and so I have to imagine that like Miles Garrett and the D-line in Cleveland is real pissed about their performance and they're going to try to truck Sam Darnold and uh, that just means more dump-offs plus we know that Adam Gase does not like to run a particularly fast up-tempo offense and so I think he's gonna I, I think he's just gonna see a ton of unfortunate boring disgusting volume yeah that's
1: fair
0: Yeah, I would agree with uh, Sanders would be my guy against Chicago. I mean, he was a wide receiver one before he was injured last year, if you can believe it. I don't think he's a wide receiver one, but while he's healthy, I think he's a wide receiver three. So even in a matchup against Chicago, I've got him in my top 48 without any problem. And uh, the other guys, I I don't quite have that high. Now, I want to mention one guy that I'm baiting. And I'm curious before we move on to quarterback tight end DST, if you're fading him too, Marquise Brown, if you picked him up, do you play him against Arizona or do we wait until his snap count goes up, Liz?
2: Well, if Arizona wasn't without their two top corners, I might be more interested in fading him. This one to me is going to be an answer based on roster construction, right? If I have a floor guide, like let's say I'm forced to play David Montgomery and I'm trying to manage expectations. If I am looking at my flex and trying to reach for a ceiling play, then do I think Marquise Brown has the opportunity and the talent to get lucky uh, on a deep post like you did in week one? Yes, absolutely. So, uh, But if I am trying to play it safe eh, because I have two maybe – you know, higher ceiling players elsewhere, and I need to find a floor player, I'm going to fade him. So this to me is a roster construction, but I do, you know, I do like him as a flex if I'm, I'm trying to reach for the stars.
0: Tags, would you rather play someone like Marquise Brown, Dante Moncrief, but he's going up against Seattle, uh, or the last guy that I want to mention before we move on, Devontae Parker against
1: New England? I know you're a Parker fan, so I had to ask. Uh, but he's Gilmore gross this is disgusting I don't like this question can we do another one <laughs> yeah yeah let me throw another name in how about DK
0: Metcalf against Pittsburgh DK mm-hmm. for sure okay okay there we go we got your answer let's move on to quarterbacks if you need to pick someone up I think it's pretty obviously Josh Allen now, he wasn't very good passing the ball last week he did have four turnovers but you know he's gonna run the ball 10 times that's what he does he gets the Giants this week but the question is If you've got Russell Wilson against Pittsburgh, they hardly threw the ball at all last week, or Ben Roethlisberger, who looked really bad, or even Kyler Murray against Baltimore, Liz, would you sit one of those guys to pick up Josh Allen, or would you keep them in your lineup?
2: I will fade Kyler Murray. I'm a Kyler Murray realist. Anyone can talk about week one, unfortunately, and it it was confirmation bias for both sides, just like the entire damn preseason was. So unfortunately, I don't think we have any answers yet, Um, but I will fade Kyler Murray. Um, I would still play Russell Wilson ahead of Josh Allen because I do think that the Steelers are playing at home right now. We know about Ben's um, home road splits. We know that the Patriots always give this team trouble. I don't think we expected the spanking that they got on Sunday night. What a snooze fest. But I do think that um, the Steelers try to rebound and put the ball in the air much more. And I think that that means that even with this depressed passing opportunity that Russell Wilson and the Seahawks has had, he still found a way to keep his passing numbers efficient and high I think there's going to be much more back and forth again than we're anticipating
1: yep I I think that game is going to have a massive score uh, I like uh, between Pittsburgh and Seattle I think both teams are going to come out firing I, I don't think Pittsburgh has the talent uh, Joe Hayden is hurt I don't think he's going to play this week excellent point yeah and Seattle's secondary is just not they're not very good like if the, if the pass rush doesn't get there they're in trouble and we saw that with the Bengals last week with Andy Dalton for 400 yards so I would play both Russell Wilson and Roethlisberger over Josh Allen but I would also with I'm with Liz on this one I would play Josh Allen over Kyler Murray.
0: So there's five really obvious starts. I don't think anyone would would disagree with starting these guys. Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Carson Wentz, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson. You can put them in every order you want. So let's move on to the second tier. We'll put Matt Ryan in the first tier. Baker Mayfield against the Jets. Dak Prescott against Washington. And then Cam Newton, who was sketchy last week. He goes up against the Bucks, though. Which of these three are you starting, Liz? Mayfield, Prescott, Newton.
2: Well, I have Cam Newton as my QB7 on the week. So I have to go with him. I think, again, there's a bounce back opportunity. um, And Tampa Bay's defense is is just, it's banged up. And it was also not good to begin with.
1: Yeah, don't take away too much from Jimmy Garoppolo's bad performance because Jimmy Garoppolo's been bad.
2: I do think that Jimmy G under Kyle Shanahan has an opportunity to pick up where he left off in 2017. But yes.
1: I actually have Prescott at number six.
2: Oh, I do too. You're right.
1: Dak is my start just because, like, again, that offense looks so much fun. And Washington is a team that does actually really well against the run. Like, their front seven is the strength of that team. Uh, The back half is the worrisome part. Like, Landon Collins looked like crap again last week. Nicholson, their safety. Like, they just they don't have it okay so Dak they can go vertical on that team as well if they want to it is on the road it's a divisional game which a little concerning sure but Cam Newton I don't know why people thought that Cam was like a lock last week I, I thought it was a really tough matchup the Rams I'm telling you with a keep to leave in the lineup the Rams defense is different like like night and day, and I'm going to highlight it all in the primer this week, but uh, I like Cam as my number seven, so he's right behind Dak. If you wanted to start Cam over him, I wouldn't I wouldn't argue with you.
0: Well, I figured that Cam Newton was going to run the ball more than three times for negative two yards. I should have known better with the foot injury, though.
1: It was his first time in his career that he ever had uh, negative rushing totals.
0: Yeah, so, so, Dad, you said Dak Prescott number six. I said six must-start quarterbacks. Which one do you have Dak Prescott over? Is it Tom Brady? No, I have Brady
1: at five. Uh, Deshaun Watson I have at eight.
2: Oh, I have met Ryan at eight. Because Dak is my number six, too, and then Cam is my number seven, and Matt Ryan is my number
1: eight. I got it. Okay, which
0: four of these third-tier quarterbacks do you like the most? Jared Goff against the Saints, Jameis Winston, maybe bouncing back against Carolina, Aaron Rodgers, another tough matchup against Minnesota, and Drew Brees against the Rams. He comes out in the red zone against Taysom Hill.
2: This may be my fandom, and I know it sounds like sacrilege to have this player ranked ahead of Drew Brees, but I have Jared Goff as my QB10 on the week. I just, if this game were in New Orleans, then I'd say Drew Brees, but I think Tags makes an excellent point about Aqib Talib being a part of the Rams defense, and Michael Thomas still will be the most damn efficient receiver in the league, uh, but I, I'm going to lean towards Jared Goff's way. I just think he has. The Saints defense is also incredible. It's We're splitting hairs here, but I think because the the Saints are on the road, I'm going to lean towards Goff and Breeze outside of you know the the everything it's it's almost it's like a small ball offense with Ted Ginn on occasion in there you know and I just think about Brandon Cooks who could get some run and I think about Cooper Cup and I think about the other receiving weapons and he's not the quarterback that Drew Breeze is but in this matchup I just think he has more fantasy potential.
1: The Jared Goff is my ten quarterback as well. Um, I would start him over Drew Breeze as well. Jared Goff did well against the Saints last year, but here's my here's my biggest concern with Goff. It's something I found out uh, literally today when I was researching that game. Goff has thrown one or zero touchdowns in eight of his last nine games. That's that's scary stuff, but here's the reason that I think that he can still have a good game against the Saints. The Saints are, just played on Monday night in a long, drawn-out game, a very emotional game, went all the way down to the wire, and they're going to be traveling across the country to play on a short week. That's really tough to do, and if you remember the last team that traveled across the country to play in LA, it was the Minnesota Vikings, and that, that Vikings defense, that was like the only game last year where they got completely, absolutely, and utterly demolished on defense, so I think Goff threw five touchdowns in that game, so I think Goff has a chance to be like a tournament winner this week. Again, in redraft leagues, I would play other guys over him, but I, I think there's some some sneaky upside here.
0: All right, guys, tight in really quick, and this is sad. I'm moving Hunter Henry. Out of my rankings he was tight end six. Uh so the top five are really obvious as always. But after this range, uh who are a couple of the guys that you've got in your top twelve tags? We'll start with you this
1: time. Um I've uh Delaney Walker is a stud again. Like just keep playing Delaney Walker until until he like dies. Because like Walker Walker's like the Frank Gore of running backs to me, where it's like he's gonna continue to produce as long as he's in the lineup. Um but Delaney Walker, two touchdowns last week, but the the Colts they allowed 14 tight ends last year to finish his top 16 PPR options. Now, top 16, it means basically like his floor is essentially a tight end two. And against them last year, um, 10 tight ends finish his top 10 options. So when you see Delaney Walker, you see Marcus Mariota having a better game and like getting his mojo back and people saying Marcus Mariota looked good and he's healthy and this and that. No, it's more about he got Delaney Walker back. He has AJ Brown, he has Corey Davis taking attention away. People have to account for Derrick Henry. I think Delaney Walker is just the forgotten man, and knowing that Deion Lewis forgot how to catch a football and that Derrick Henry cannot catch a football, Delaney Walker is going to steal those targets. And I'm starting him like every week. And the matchup against the Colts is just another good one. It is a good one. I've got Delaney Walker number seven. Liz, who do you have in your top 12 tight ends?
2: I'm also high on Delaney Walker. He's my tight end nine for the week. Um, I have him projected for five receptions, 57 yards and a touchdown. But I can't believe we're not going to talk about TJ Hawkinson here. He is the truth. He is real. (laughs) He
0: was great.
2: We can't call him Baby Grump because we already call Travis Kelsey Baby Gronk, but I have him projected. He's my tight end five on the week. I am moving away from consensus. I do not care. Maybe it's a knee jerk. Maybe I'm having myself a Kevin Ogletree moment. I don't care. I'm completely (laughs) enamored with him. He was tied with Kenny Galladay for second in team targets with nine looks. His stock is on the rise. The Chargers are, you know, an interesting matchup, but I think we made some points about their secondary earlier. He's going to be on the field for a ton of snaps. I have him projected for four catches, 62 yards, and a touch.
0: I love that. I was going to talk about how he had 142 air yards. That's nuts for a tight end.
2: Yeah. He set the NFL record for the most receiving yards by a tight end in his first game and the 12th most productive outing of any rookie tight end. That's crazy.
0: That is absolutely crazy. Yeah, I've got Hawkinson.
2: That's I'm not so high on Marvin Jones, frankly. Like, I I think they have an answer.
0: Possible, yeah. I've got Hawkinson in my top 10 as well. I've got Delaney Walker there. Darren Waller against Kansas City. I mean, we know Waller's going to get a big workload, and especially against Kansas City, who was the number 32 defense against tight ends last year. And then I've got Jared Cook, Mark Andrews, Vance McDonald rounding out my top 11. Do you guys
1: disagree with any of those players? No, that sounds about right. Jared Cook, uh, Waller, Waller should have a really good game against KC.
0: Yeah, I've got Waller tied in number six, and I don't especially love him, but I think the target share is going to be there. I think he's better than Jared Cook, like the player.
2: Yeah, I have Waller at 10, I have Vance at 11, and I have Jared Cook at 12. Nice.
0: So I, I can't figure out what to do with David and Joku going up against Jamal Adams. Um, what, what to do with Austin Hooper going up against Philadelphia, Jimmy Graham against Minnesota, or is or do we go with Greg Olson against
1: Tampa?
2: No, his back's hurt. You can't do that. He's banged up.
1: Right. I liked Olson a lot. And now it's like this whole back thing. It's like, I'm worried about on a short week. It seems like he might not play. And even if he does, they might dial back the snaps and get Ian Thomas in there a little bit. Yeah. We've seen that so many times with Olson.
0: Okay, guys, so let's go DST really quick. Tags, why don't you just give us one team that you can pick up if you need to, uh, maybe the Chiefs, the Packers, one of these teams.
1: It, it's really tough with defenses because there's a lot of leagues where people are streaming and they've already picked them up off the waiver wire, so it's tough to say. If there's one that's out there that maybe was cut after week one, I'd I'd say that Broncos would be a team that I'd be willing to play. Just because, again, Vic Fangio knows that Bears offense very well against Matt Nagy. The Bears are are going on the road to play in Denver, which is a tough place to play on the road. I would imagine that that defensive line is, is pissed about the fact that they... Didn't even touch Derek Carr. Like, literally didn't touch him. Amazing. I'm going to go with the Broncos here. I, I mean, I hope I'm wrong about this one because I obviously want the Bears to do well, but uh, <laughs> I, I'd go with the Broncos. All right, Liz, do you have a DST for us?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the Dallas Cowboys, we talked about them being banged up. But when I look at the matchup against Washington, yes, they're traveling, but I am so not afraid of Washington's offense or much of anything that they can do. So I have Dallas uh, inside my my top eight DSTs for the week.
0: So I mentioned Green Bay. Uh, they're 13% owned. You can you can pick them up if you need to against Minnesota. And I don't love the matchup. But Green Bay is much improved. But for me, I'm looking at this. Carolina, guys, is just 38% owned. And they get Jameis Winston at home. It's potentially going to be raining. We remember Jameis Winston in, uh, in bad weather. Every time we've seen it, it has been really ugly. So I think there's a chance that Carolina just cleans up this week. All right, guys, let's close out the show really quick by giving a start of the week, a sit of the week, and then a bold prediction of the week. Tags, why don't you start us off? You said something about Travis Benjamin, maybe?
1: That's my bold prediction. My bold prediction is that Travis Benjamin um, all of a sudden like leg- legitimately like surprises everyone and has, I, w- I don't want to say a John Ross type week, but a, a John Ross week where he kind of shows up out of nowhere. He catches a long touchdown, adds another three, four receptions for over 100 yards. So I'm saying my bold prediction is that Travis Benjamin has over 100 yards and a touchdown against the Lions this week. All right. Can you give us a- your start of the week? Go ahead, Liz.
2: Yeah, my start of the week is a player that I can't believe we didn't talk about, Tyrell Williams, who just showed out enormously – on Monday night, I think he's going to follow that up with a big outing. And my fate of the week is Kyler Murray, um, who we already touched on. I just I, I think versus Baltimore, and especially now that the Ravens have more tape, and like hooray for the Ravens for being able to adjust. Like we didn't really talk about Lamar and his showing either, but I think the thing that's most impressive that the Ravens have been doing is they created an ecosystem around the specific talents of a quarterback that also then helped. Improve that quarterback's overall skill set and evolution as a player, and I, I their ability to adjust is rivaling perhaps the Patriots at this point. Dare I that maybe that's sacrilege? So I think they'll have enough tape on Kyler, and Kyler's game in Week One reminded me of his outing at Alabama, like a tale of two different uh, two different halves. Although it was, I would say, you know three and a half different quarters. <laughs> um, so um, I-, I think Kyler, despite the hype, is just someone we should fade in uh, week two.
0: I'm fading Marquise Brown. I already talked about that one. I'm starting Rex Burkhead. I talked about that one.
1: I'll give my start and sit real quick. So the start is Tyler Lockett. Get over the fact that he had two targets last week. He's going to demolish that Pittsburgh secondary. Uh, they have some miscommunication with the safeties. Uh, Mike Hilton, doesn't do very well in the slot. He's not a bad cornerback, but they play a lot of zone coverage. Tyler Lockett's going to get loose this week. Put him back in your lineup. And my sit of the week is Aaron Rodgers. I do not trust that offense right now. He did not. He was not accurate at
0: all on Thursday, by the
1: way. But he was pretty bad. Uh, and like, if you go, if you go through and look at what he's done uh, against the Vikings, he's throw one or zero touchdowns and less than 300 yards in five of the last six games against those two teams. I can't trust Matt LaFleur right now. And after the way that Rodgers looked at himself in week one, It just wasn't pretty. I do expect him to bounce back after this week, but this is a tough matchup.
0: My bold prediction is that Dante Pettis is going to lead the San Francisco 49ers in receiving yards, receptions, and he's going to get in the end zone against Cincinnati. I know he didn't play in week one. Two snaps. I think a lot of the reason was that he was banged up. I know. And it really scares me. I wouldn't cut Dante Pettis quite yet. Let's wait at least one more week and see if he plays, see if we get any information about an injury. But I think he plays this week. I'm not recommending starting him. I'm just saying keep an eye on him and don't cut him quite yet. Good deal. All right, guys, that's all for today's show. Liz, that was a lot of fun.
2: Thank you for taking the time to come on. Thank you. I had a great time. I appreciate it. All
0: right, and I want to say thanks to the sponsors of today's show, NFL Game Pass, where you can get a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Sign up now at NFL.com slash Fantasy Pros. And also Pristine Auction. Guys, you are going to love Pristine Auction if you haven't checked it out. You can enter the registration code FANTASYPROS for $5 off when you sign up at Pristine Auction. And thanks also to DraftKings. Now remember, both new and existing users are going to get a deposit bonus up to $500. Don't forget to enter my code FANTASYPROS to get a free shot at over $1.5 million in prizes with your first deposit. That's code FANTASYPROS only at DraftKings. For Liz Loza and Mike Tagliere, I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening and enjoy your football.
1: I just wanted you to watch me dissolve.